0: Midwest Fellowship, these are churches we're all somewhat familiar with, Keystone Churches, we're not so familiar with these, but I think I, yeah, wait, we, this here, got this one on the wrong place here and this one here too. Sorry. Pilgrim would go in here yet. Fellowship. Okay, so now have this line here and we would have like the Southeastern Conference. Um, We'd have, that would be where like Carl Heatwall's from. We would have a Midwest. And we would have a uh, Keystone Mennonite. And, and some of this, I'm going to, uh, a lot of this, some of this uh, are things that come from my own mind, but a lot of it's uh, is studies that I've done out of uh, an article that. Ernest Eby shared on the overview of the Plain People so it's drawing a lot from that as well um, and then uh, we have churches such as BMA here and some of those congregations um, so the way Ernest Eby described them so the Amish here do not they're kind of in a box of their own because theologically, they're not really lined up with us, especially on the issue of salvation and so forth. So they're a little bit on their own here. Um, so here we have what we call ultra-conservative. And maybe I'll just write down, uh, I will, I'll leave the conservative out. ultra intermediate, and these are conservative. So this would be intermediate, conservative. This would be moderate, conservative. Conservative. Kind of a nice stem to it. Um, and then this would be what we, they would, Ernest we would call progressive, fundamental conservative. So fundamentally Fundamentally, they would say uh, that if that it's just they would only believe the Bible. They would leave all standards out. So I want to make it clear this morning. I'm not don't want this to in any sound disparaging to any one group. Um, I simply want to this to be helpful and a helpful study for us all to see where we're at. Um, so we have. These sets of people. Now, I think we would. Well, maybe I should ask you all. Where do you where do you think we would find ourselves in these groups of people? If you were over here, you know what Amish are, horse and buggy. I don't know how many of you all know this group of people, Old Order Eastern uh, Mennonite Eastern Mennonites. I don't know if they're a conference. I'm not quite sure, but I think they are. Nationwide Fellowship. You would know those, probably. Washington County Mennonites that I would have worked with them know them fairly well but how many of you would be familiar with those that group of people, like the second group? Some. So many of our children, younger people here would not be so familiar with. They would be the ones that would have the very large European bonnets and uh, how else would you describe? Many of them, especially if you go to the Old Orders, Washington County would be black cars only for church, black bumpers they call them, and there would be some other distinguishing characteristics, the way they dress and so forth. Always would wear suits, um, and suit coats, lay down, uh, not lay downs, uh, straight cuts. Um, there'd probably be some other things you would think of. There's there's a culture inside of that that you would be you would know if you saw it. Um, We get more familiar with this, right, Bethel Fellowship, we have some, um, those of us from Seymour, that would be more of our background, Western Fellowship, that's out here on the west coast, and Pilgrim Fellowship, probably not so much. So then we move into this group of people, Southeastern, Midwest, Keystone is something probably most of us are not familiar with not real familiar with. But we would kind of find ourselves, I think, somewhere kind of like this. Does that sound accurate? Anyone want to say no? I think that's kind of where we're at. We're kind of a we kinda of come like this and kinda of come like this and we're kind of find ourselves somewhere we, we we have some differences. We have a lot of similarities inside of that inside that spectrum. Okay, so does that does that all make sense to everyone? So we we could find ourselves C V M C kind of right here. So now let's say you have person here, person here, person here, person here. But One thing I want to point out, one thing you'd find interesting in this, is that when you look at growth in these churches, this group grew by between 2014 and 2000, no, 2009, 2016, this group here grew by 140, 121%. While this group by, grew by about 42%, and this group, I think, was in like the 80%-ish, somewhere in there. Um, just thought that was interesting in terms of growth over 2008, 2016, 2009, 2016. So we have that. And then we have the whole thing of, Conference versus fellowship. So we're not exactly in these groups because we're we're part of we're independent we're an independent church, and what that means we're not part of a conference part of, or part of a fellowship. So I'd like to talk to I'd like to explain that just a little bit. Spend just a little time of there. Um, we're of the Anabaptist persuasion. Um, most of us were born into an Anabaptist background, and that goes back to the 1500s, 1600s. The Anabaptists were, while they have overall a good reputation, they weren't without their warts, and they're still not without their warts. Especially if you look, talk to people in Europe, immediately they talk about the Munsterites. It just, right there they are. That's first and foremost in mind. They, when they're taught about Anabaptists, they were that group of rebellious people that um, tried to take over a city. And the Munsterites were truly (laughs) ended up being a problem. They uh, they tried to take over Munster um, in Westphalia in 1532 through 1535. And uh, they were all about sharing all their goods and so forth, but they forced out the Lutheran mayor and uh, deposed him. In doing so, also, many of the Lutherans and some of the Catholics left. And so they made a law that all goods should be uh, shared equally. So many poor people moved into the city, and they went ahead and liquidated these people's possessions that had moved out and shared them out equally. And then they also made a law there couldn't be any more infant baptisms. And then they followed that up with a law that all the adults had to be baptized. And they followed that with the use of force. And uh, then they also made a law that that uh, that there should be uh, polygamy. That men should have multiple wives. And uh, so anyways, it just got worse and worse. And finally... The authorities that had had the city came back in, took back over the city. Yeah, it was after, after a long siege though and regained control. And anyways, one of Menno Simons' brothers um, was killed in, somewhere in that whole tangle, which brought Menno Simons to the point of really, really uh, being serious about his Christian walk. Um anyways, just that was just a bit there there's some there's some words back there but after that uh Michael Sattler uh came forward he's the one that would have written the schleitheim confession and that's where we get most we get the basis for our anabaptist beliefs it was followed up with uh, with and reaffirmed and and scripture added um various articles added But that was kind of the formation that was in 1527. So that would have been kind of contemporary to what was going on here, but a different group of of Anabaptists. Uh, Basically, Menno Simons came into the scene, and this is very general, in in the background of the Mennonites and consolidated or brought together Mennonites and and used the Schleitheim Confession. And with the Schleitheim Confession, one of those... Articles was really clear that no one before, two of articles were really clear. No one be forced to become a Christian or an Anabaptist and also that no force could be used. Um, so that was in, very much contradicted what the, the uh, Munsterites did uh, and cleared the way going forward. For the Anabaptist people to be truly godly. godly. So that brings us, you know, fast forward many, many years and generations. Here we are today, still a product of that coming out of that Reformation area era and uh, and still sharing the same beliefs, that same, that same set of uh distinctives even if you could go on out yet one more from BMA and you would have uh, and I'm not I didn't add them up there for lack of space and also I don't really think it fits in our group or, or our groups we're familiar with anyways would be like Rosedale College and some of those but maybe I should bring them up because that would have been if you come on out to the right and add another group, that would have been where my mother went to Bible school. Maybe some of you would know uh, people, your parents could have went to Bible school there as well. Very liberal uh, Bible school in, in uh, the Goshen, Indiana area. So thinking a bit, I'd like to think a bit about conferences and fellowships versus independent. We're an independent group. Uh, I think most of us would have had background in independent groups. Um, And there are weaknesses. There are also strengths. And I don't pretend to have articulated all those weaknesses or strengths here, but maybe I'll share some of those that could be helpful. Uh, outstanding strengths of, of, of a conference of fellowship, I don't put those together because if you're talking to someone that's in fellowship, they don't like conference if you're talking vice versa. They don't like fellowship. So there's, you know, there's these nuances as well, but I'm going to lump them together because I see them often kind of coming to a very similar point or growing into that. Uh, the outstanding strengths are, I believe, that there's additional accountability outside of the local body, uh that can lend long-term stability. Churches get in trouble or something like that. Um they can they have resources available. There's financial resources that are available. A church starting up uh in conference at least oftentimes schools are their so their uh, budgets are supplemented by larger churches or that sort of thing. Um in the case of unrest, and I covered that some within a local church, there's other resources outside of that to help to help out there. Um, and this can be a, a strength due to the more developed form of church government. Decisions are made very slowly, very cautiously, like Carl Heatwell says in the conference, the, turn, the wheels of justice move very slowly. Uh, I heard him say that a number of times. And I don't think he was thinking so much as justice, but any changes come about very, very slowly. And we're talking about maybe generational um, in time frame. Maybe the weaknesses are along these lines. Uh, viruses like or unrest like viruses can spread from one congregation to the next. Move moves through congregations. Uh, Conferences can also move in unity towards worldliness and apostasy. And that's one thing I was impressed with even as a young boy. I was at Clifford uh, Mennonite Church with my mother there in Goshen. And there was uh, fellowship meetings going there. And the church was largely empty. If you saw any of the church members there... Um the the Clifford Church members, this was a different uh this was a different uh fellowship meeting from them. We're just using their facility. But if you saw any of them, you would hardly know that they're different from the world in, in dress. There were as far as um distinctives as clothing distinctives, you, you didn't see any. And I was asking my mom about that. She said, "Yeah, when they were when she was young, they were very, they were a very uh, distinctly Anabaptist group or Mennonite group. But you know, they didn't. There weren't uh, splits in that church and their conference. They were with uh, the larger Mennonite conference. Uh, they didn't really split up and so forth. They just moved together, uh, uh, further and further out. So those kinds of things could happen." Leadership tends to take a more pyramid form, just by its nature, in conferences and in fellowships, where you have fewer and fewer people making the decisions for the group. Not saying it has to be that way. I think they guard against that, but it 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 is more. uh, It can it can definitely happen. It's more inclined that way, where leaders from a leadership. I just want to back that up. So, where certain people, certain let's say bishops, will have a lot of uh, of controlling force for many churches, and uh, and the result is, if something breaks down there, there can be a lot of havoc happen quickly. Um, and people within those kinds of groups can feel quickly uh, that. Decisions are simply handed down and they don't have any say. Uh, another weakness is that discussions and decisions that could be good for the church, and that goes along with the last one I mentioned, uh, can simply be tabled, not brought up, or just put to the side for years and years. And uh, maybe you can think of, in some churches, this could be veilings, you know, whether or not to have veilings, or whether or not to have a full beard, um, there would be other things that we could think of. So those are some strengths and weaknesses. We come. Our category again is is about where that's at. But we're an independent church, and we're not part of a of, of a conference. And I'd like to I'd like us to address here some weaknesses that I think that we could face, and then also our strengths. And and then. Look at the opportunities we have from that. Um, Maybe we could say that our our weaknesses is maybe along those lines of, or they would be said about us that a less stable leadership structure than a more developed conference style or fellowship structure Uh, because of this, uh, you know, independent churches can tend to drift more quickly and not necessarily just talking about our church, but independent churches as a as in general. And when there's uh, differences of thought within ch- within a local church, um, these can easily galvanize two different f- trains of thought and uh, cause schisms in the church that are hard to settle because there's not a larger body to work with, as in a conference or in a fellowship. These are the weaknesses that I've heard and I think I've seen these as well um, within our own congregations and you may not agree with everything I'm saying and that I'm fine with that Uh, these are some thoughts that have been on my mind and, and I'd just like to share especially again thinking of our youth going into different places and would like for them to be thinking about the the bigger picture um Our strengths are that we're, as independent churches, we're more adaptive to meet present needs. Uh, There's no need to wait for the next bishops' conference out in January of 2025 to figure out how we might, you know, meet a present need. We can do that through the work of our church, our leadership, working together with the church, and... These decisions can be can move along quickly, and uh, and that, that that can be good. Like, you know, if we decided we'd like to have a Good Friday service for the community, we don't need a to wait for a, a conference meeting to decide whether or not that would be good for in the best interest of of our church here in our community and and all the other churches involved. Um, we're not as confined to established norms as are some groups. Um, we, we, we have more ad- adaptability. And so I'd like to focus more on that, where that can be a positive, where it can be a negative. So growth can happen more quickly because of that. That can be the case uh, because we're not as confined to established norms. Um, and then... And this is not necessarily strength or weakness, but I think more of a fact. And it lends towards, I think, more of a focus on unity. The church as a whole is more tied together. This local church, an independent church, is more tied together in its destiny. Uh, leaders and their congregations are all in the same boat. There's no superstructure to rely on. We can't decide, well, we can jump out here, we can jump over there, or, you know. We're we're in this same boat together, traveling together. And it I think it tends to make us want to all work together to keep the ship aright, to keep it going in the right direction. And I think it increases our, our focus on a need for unity. So some thoughts there and I imagine you would have more. I think this could be, you know, a much larger conversation. But for the sake of time, I'll move on through here. And I hope you'll give me a little more time here because I have a few more things I'd like to share. Um, so we have a prevalent thought that runs through our congregation, our Anabaptist group. And one of those is intentionalist thought, that everything we do is was with intention. And so that's where I'd like to talk a little bit about what I put up here. So we can be in this group right here, possibly, if we believe in, by faith in God, through grace that we're saved, and that works are a natural outworking of our faith and our obedience to God. We can be here, 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 and we can be going in this direction. Is that fair enough to say? Does that make sense? We can be part of any one of these groups and be headed towards the early church, towards <coughs> New Testament teaching, let put up there. Just to be clear. So, um, also I'd want to put in here that there's a lot of tendency for cross-migration, this is one thing I want to spend just a little time on. There's a lot of tendency for, for cross-migration from these groups, from here to here to here to here, and if it's just about false uh, cross-migration, usually it ends up going towards here. So if I can back up a little bit here, I want to to talk about focus, intentionality, and kingdom view, early church, and current church. If our focus is on, and we're anywhere in one of these groups, on just being like our current church is 20 years down the road, I question whether we have enough buoyancy to stay there whether we'll manage to maintain that. If we're here this morning we're saying this is exactly what we want. We never want to move from here. This is how we want to look 20 years from now. So we not just look, but when I say look, I'm talking about the the heart, everything else. How we want to be exactly 20 years from now. I question if you're if we're here whether we'll be there 20 years from now. So, we have room for growth. We can be, I see some questions on people's faces, and I'd love, to, I'd love to hear a question here to make sure I'm sure I'm saying this, being clear, if there's anyone that has a question on that. Okay, well, I'll keep on going. Um, so. W- what we really want to be thinking about is intentionality and kingdom view. Now, when we talk about intentionality, if you go to Bible school, you're there, you're going to probably hear about this. And there's what they call intentionalist Baptists. you can, Anabaptist, you can find these throughout all those groups of people up there. Um, there's, but it's also a way of describing some people who are, let's say your remnant churches or the charity churches and so forth. They would call themselves intentional, intentionalist. There's also the kingdom Christian, and you would find that there as well. Now, I'm just going to tell you, they don't hold the corner. They don't hold, they have no real corner on intentionality and on kingdom view. Um, much as I love some of the people within those groups, they don't hold that sphere intentionality is about wanting to be more like christ more like the early church more like having a kingdom view a two-world kingdom view Uh, there's an earthly kingdom and there's a heavenly kingdom we're part of that heavenly kingdom and when we're talking about intentionality that's what i want to focus on there's i don't have a lot more to share on that Um, maybe I'll read a couple of quotes out of here. And this is from Ernest Eby here. Um, Intentional Anabaptists can be Mennonites, Brother Amish, Hutterites, or the combination of all, who see the church, who would like to see the church restored to an earlier time period, like the church life that is more vibrant or authentic. So I'm not here this morning saying that our church is not vibrant or authentic. I'm not here to spank us in any way. I'm just saying that we can grow and we should be growing. Um, they have a freedom to discuss any topic or chart a course that more closely resembles the early Anabaptists and the early church. So the intentionalists would also come out of, you would see these in old orders and theological conservatives. Also would see these in groups like faith builders and um, there's that other another place, I forget that, Boston group, although they're not really Anabaptist background group even. Um, Intentional churches sometimes attract a high number of seekers, and this is, you know, reading out of Ernest Eby's uh, work here, because they are more flexible, not as fond of keeping Anabaptist cultural traditions, such as one would be like suit coats. Um, they might be open more to immersion baptism, um, pouring or immersion. Many intentionalist churches have tended to be less stable due to leaders that are not very accountable, questionable doctrine, or church polity, meaning there's kind of a, a overwhelming um, intent of thought. Disagreements within the church, immaturity relating to others, lack of unified vision. These are kind of the negatives. Individual families frequently leaving over offenses, and at times, the complete meltdown and disintegration of the group. And then he goes on to say the the, the good things. Some seekers, after having, or uh, the positive things. In contrast, peacemaking intentionalists are glad to recognize any of Christ, to recognize any Christian's attempt to follow the teachings of the New Testament. And their goal is to encourage even greater obedience to Christ. Peacemaking intentionalists are typically interested in seeking the kingdom of God, expand and encompass the earth, and they are not eager to draw people and talent away from other churches' missions or ministries. So he was addressing some of what we saw with the early charity churches where they were coming in and aggressively trying to take members away from other groups. Um, and then there's the, the kingdom Christian that comes from Dave Berceau's book, David Berceau's book. Uh, it's become popular in the Anabaptist circles as well and goes to talk about people that are really interested in in being more like the early church. Um, and one thing that Ernest E.B. says here, in moderate conservative, which we're, we would find ourselves as in the moderate conservative group, he makes a, a point that I think is really relevant. Um uh, there's a budding interest interest in learning about the early church and how they thought about church and how they thought about church, but again, there's only a limited interest. There's more room in these churches to chart a more early church path, but because of it because most are ethnic Anabaptists and many want to be more modern, there's typically typically not a lot of interest in reverting to something more old fashioned. And I'm gonna give an example here of this we can tend, our tendency is to take the liberties that we have and to use them selfishly, to use them for ourselves instead of taking the liberties we have and saying we want to be more godly. So I could say this morning, I could give a very, how would you say, practical example and say this morning, we don't wear straight cut coats here. Now, we don't say we can't wear straight cut coats. You're welcome to do that. And so therefore I'm I'm good to wear any coat I want. So I'm gonna come this morning with a uh you know a leather jacket that has, you know, that looks really stands out. Or I'm gonna come this morning with something that's really showy or whatever. You know, that would not be in the nature of what we're looking for by taking off by having that um liberty to, to not wear a a straight cut. Um, If I would decide, you know, I want to do something that's going to be really, really flashy, I'd be using that for a selfish purpose instead of a blending with the brotherhood. Again, uh, kingdom Christians, what we'll find, are most closely related to the intermediate conservatives, but also that would be like the Bethel Fellowship and so forth, but also would find themselves in the moderate group. And uh, he makes this uh, point here. Um, The difference between kingdom Christians and progressive conservatives is that the kingdom Christians are often headed in the direction of more modest clothing, larger head coverings, less sports, less entertainment, while many progressive conservatives are headed in the direction of less modesty, smaller head coverings, more entertainment. So while these two groups seem to have somewhat a similar minimum standard, their constituencies are headed in opposite directions. They're crossing each other. So these might be some things that you don't completely understand now, but um, I think the things will click together when you see it. Um, So you can have the kingdom Christian group out there that is headed, they're, they're, they're headed in this direction towards the early church. They can look different or it can be kind of somewhat in this group, but be saying but have a real focus on wanting to become more and more like the early church. I have seen in my own lifetime, I've seen this happen a lot where people have taken gone this path and migrated like this and then went like that. I've seen that happen a number of times and I've seen this happen quite often in our own church experience and I hate to say this but for people have moved from this line to here very quickly. Um, and that's I guess the real, um, the real burden I have for us is where, we, where is our focus. Is that, you know, simply to maintain the status quo, that's, you know, that's good. But, you know, if we're like we should be, we're going to be headed that direction. And it won't necessarily put us in the middle of any one of these groups. We can be in this whole, I would say at least, I would say this whole sphere right here and be headed right there. Um, so that's where focus comes in. So I'd like to end with just a few notes of our church now. We talked about, kind of did a very quick overview of different churches and then conference and non-conference or independent churches and, uh, quite a bit in between there. Um, so I'd just like to share a bit about our church, um, I'm thankful for the blend of structure, intentionalism, and kingdom focus that I witness here in our church. I think it's a beautiful blend. It's a healthy blend. I'm not here to pat us on the back and say we've got it perfect. But I am here to say that I thank God for what we have and that he will continue to grow us. Uh, speaking of structure, I'll, and I want to break out these things here, we have similar thought and background of being from Anabaptist churches. Um, God didn't bring us all together here with some of us thinking that we should be part of the Eastern Mennonite Conference or part of the Progressive Conservative Conference like the BMA or uh, you know somewhere else or being Amish. He brought a group of us together that think, that see church structure very similarly, and uh, that's a blessing. We're not all exactly the same place, but we're very close considering uh, that we came many miles apart from each other to be here in this little spot of Idaho. And I believe God's hand was at work in that. And so we have ongoing work in this front, a work of unity, a work of working together. But we've been blessed with 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 a similar sense of structure. Intentionalism. Um, I see the outworking of this as accountability within our group, our men's accountability groups. Um, our ladies as well, they're accountable. Maybe they don't have the same accountability groups, but they're being accountable to each other. Then a working of love for each other. Uh, I think of our, our working together work days, um, helping out when there's needs, for food and so forth, people picking up those things and moving ahead with them. Um, the focus on the inner man and scriptural outworking. I heard this morning in Isaac's devotions, it was just when I heard his Isaac's devotional this morning, I just felt like the hand of God was working this this entire uh, uh, service together. It blessed me and. and Anyways, focus on modeling after principles of the early church. I see that happening. Um, sharing with one another, um, giving. Those have all been challenges to me and, and have been uh, building blocks and encouraging to me. So structure, intentionalism, uh, kingdom Christianity. Um, mostly the realization that we're in this world, not of this world. And I think that's a realization that's growing in me. It's growing in us as a church. Uh, God's places here as pilgrims and to do his work, to be light, to be salt, to bless his people and to bless the world around us. And so, you know, there are some dangers that I think we face as well. Um, lukewarmness is a danger, like the Laodiceans faced, um, the church at Ephesus, they lost their first love. That's a huge danger. Maintaining our first love, that's so important for us. And then I'd like to go back to the opening scripture yeah, to, to close that uh, It says, talks about false prophets and so forth. And then he says in verse 11 or 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, this is in uh, Ephesians 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. So this is a different scripture from the Peter scripture, First Peter scripture. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And there's also a verse in um, Exodus that I had here. Well, I lost. Looks like I lost that verse. No, Leviticus. Leviticus twenty three thirteen, and in all that I've said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. And that word circumspectly, as it is in Leviticus, and I think it carries through here in in uh, Galatians as well, has the idea to hedge yourself about, guard yourself, uh, beware, uh, be careful, take heed. Observe, preserve, regard, save, watch, walk circumspectly. Uh, I think that has so much to do with where we're at and where we'll be at, in 20 years from now, 50 years from now, where their children uh, can look forward to. You know, can they be sharing the blessings that we've been part we've partook of? Um, and I'd like to just to read these last couple of verses. Thank you for your patience. Right. ephesians five um, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, which is in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to all things for God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So that's all I have. God bless you. God bless us as we walk circumspectly, as we uh, find ourselves where we're at and work with that to build the kingdom of God. Um, let's have just a verse of song, maybe. But uh, brother, I would close.